0: I'm Amy Joe Martin. Welcome to the Why Not Now Show. You know that thing you've been thinking about doing? Yeah, that one. Why not now? Have you ever actually taken the time to ask yourself, what's stopping me? Let's talk it through. This is your chance to give that idea the attention it deserves and take action. Each episode, I have a chat with a fascinating person from entrepreneurs to athletes, celebrities, my parents, rocket scientists, and all walks of life. We talk through a critical time when they've asked themselves, why not now? We dissect that day or even that moment, step by step. Former two-time world champion and number one ranked triathlete in the world, Siri Lindley is on the show today. This woman is incredible. And actually, very little of our conversation has to do with swimming, biking, and running. And her story, albeit she is this world champion, her story really isn't about being a triathlete. (laughs) It's more about how she grew up. And as we all have experienced our challenges, she really used sport to overcome many things. She said to herself that she had really no self-confidence and she really didn't know who she was and she didn't even want to be left alone with herself. And at age 23, barely knowing how to swim, she decided to try and sign up for her first race. So this happens and fast forward, really triathlons have become a vehicle for her to be able to help herself and find what she was looking for. Her story is unmatched, and and the warmth that Siri has and um, just desire to help other people is is pretty incredible. We talk a little bit about how a lot of us are seeking a career change or seeking a um, medium for kind of channeling energy into something that matters more in the world and more purpose, and... In many cases, it's a startup, and a lot of the "why not now" ideas that I hear about are new companies or changing our our career paths. What I've realized myself, as well as hearing from so many people, is that a lot of times our desire, our "why not nows," and our desire to start something new is really a disguise for something that we're seeking within ourselves—something new or something that is maybe unfulfilled, um, it's more of an inside job than it is something that we want to start or do on the exterior. So having just read all these scholarship applications for the Why Not Now scholarship, I see I see this left and right where a lot of times people say, I don't know exactly what it is that I want to do differently or what I want to start, but I know I want to do something differently. And, and I think sometimes that's a Trojan horse a bit for actually where we need to look within and maybe do a bit of an internal self-audit to see if there's something else we want to shift or work on um, versus truly looking at what we want to build on the outside. So something to think about. This conversation with Siri is heartwarming, and I hope you enjoy it. On the flip side, I will give you an update on my social media cleanse. Over the last week, I've had zero social media in my life, zip, zilch, nada, none, deleted all the apps from my phone. And for me, given that the last 10 years of my career has been spent helping people and brands and athletes and all types of individuals build their own brands using social, this was a big deal because I haven't ever really had a true detox. So I'm going to share what happened (laughs) on the flip side of this interview. I hope you enjoy. Most of you know that I'm a big Headspace fan, and if you're new to the show, just as some background, I started using the Headspace app about a year ago, and it's been the single best thing I've ever done for myself. Here's the thing, though. Sometimes meditation and mindfulness is not what we imagine. (laughs) Yes, there are days when I feel like I'm in a Zen situation, and other days I've been known to hit the SOS button there's literally an SOS button on the Headspace app. So there've been times where I've removed myself from certain situations and gone somewhere to push this button. One time I even escaped my car. So this quick three minute mind saver has kept me from falling down that rabbit hole in some way, or even saying things I didn't mean, maybe texting or emailing something to someone that I didn't mean. It's like taking a breath of fresh air and it just allows me to reset. And as Jimmy Fallon, who uses the app, has even said, it's great. This British guy comes on, tells me it's going to be all right. In fact, the British guy, Andy, who's been on the podcast, comes on and says this when you hit the SOS button. Okay, so you've hit the SOS button. So there's a pretty good chance you're feeling pretty stressed right now. So to begin with, I'd just like you to find a place
1: where you can sit down just for two or three minutes, completely undisturbed.
0: So maybe you already meditate, maybe not, but you want to start. Regardless of the case, let's be real. Most of us don't have a Zen sanctuary with a fluffy pillow, mood lighting to retreat to when we're about to lose it. So now you can literally have an SOS button that you push. It's a three-minute pause thanks to Headspace. There hasn't been a time when I've hit that button and it hasn't made me feel better. Welcome to the show, Siri. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing just great and so happy to be here. So thank you for having me. It, it truly is such an honor
0: to be on your show. Well, I've been looking forward to this one for a long time, and the feeling is mutual for sure. It's It's been amazing to follow follow your journey from afar, but now we get to hear you up close and personal and one-to-one. So this is a treat. <laughs> and let's, let's hop right in. So why not now is the topic. Can you share a time when you had to ask yourself that question? And we will talk it through and dive deep and dissect that day, hour, minute, whenever it was.
1: Absolutely. And and this moment, I've had a lot of why not now moments, but this one truly changed the whole trajectory of my life. And it was when I was 23 years old and I had been a team sports player my whole life, and I graduated from Brown University, and I was kind of a bit of a lost soul. I, um, I'm i not saying I had a really horrible, painful childhood, but it it had its struggles, and I was someone that had no self-confidence and extreme anxiety and so much fear. And I'd gotten through life and I'd done pretty well, but I realized at age 23 that I, I really didn't have a clue who I was outside of being a member of a team or being a daughter or being a sister. You know, my whole life had been about um, kind of being a pleaser and fitting in and just kind of trying to survive amidst my internal chaos. And so I was 23 and a friend of mine asked me to go watch her in a triathlon. And I didn't want to be disrespectful. I had no clue what a triathlon was. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll be there. You know, what should I bring? And had no clue what I was what I was going to see. And um, she gave me the address where it was going to be the following day. And I showed up and I saw all these people of different ages and sizes and races and abilities and they were all out there doing this swim, bike and run thing. And it just absolutely fascinated me because they all looked so incredibly like focused and determined and passionate and they were loving every second of it. And I thought I have got to do this. So my friend crossed the line and I literally like pummeled her over and I was like, oh my God, how can I do this? I want to do this. And she said, well, Siri, you, you, don't even know how to swim. and you don't know how to ride a bike. And I guess you've run up and down a field, so maybe, you know, maybe we can work from that. And I said, look, i I have to do this. So this wasn't the why not now moment yet. But if you don't mind, if I can just kind of give you a little Please. bit of a lead in to that, <laughs> So from that moment, I decided, oh, my God, I, I have got to learn how to do this sport. And thank God for this friend of mine, because she was willing to take me on. And I was a disaster. And she, you know, she was just wonderfully kind to me and and spent a lot of time just teaching me the basics. And um, I bought like a really cheap bike and I brought some running shoes and I learned how to put my head under the water in the swimming pool and it was it was so exciting to me. Um, but I decided okay, it's time for me to go do my first race and not that anyone really cared how I would do in my first race, but I at the time was living in Massachusetts, and I decided I got to go somewhere, you know, far far away from here and do a race where nobody knows me. And I really didn't even have that many friends anyway, so I don't I don't know who I thought was going to see me. But so I flew out to Colorado, where my mom lives, and um, told her I was going to be doing this triathlon, and she was all excited for me. And long 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 story short, I went to this race. It was an absolute disaster as far as what people witnessed. For me, though, it was the most exhilarating and amazing thing I had ever experienced in my life. It was every minute of it was just, um, it was bliss because I was experiencing all these these feelings and, and things. I was out there on my own. It was up to me. And um, it was just such an incredible challenge. And I remember at the end of the race, it, it had been And and I know nobody really believes me when I say this because I ended up, uh, well, I I won't tell the rest of the story now, but I... uh, I, I was really a disaster. I was nearly drowning in the pool. I was, I had one spandex leg all the way down at my ankle and the other was like <laughs> up on my upper thigh. And I had snot <laughs> coming out of my nose and everybody's, and I'm gagging and, you know, sprinting and falling over. And everybody was just thinking, what is this girl thinking? And I remember I crossed the line and and my mom had all my stuff in the car and, and she's ready to go. She was proud of me. She gave me a hug and all of that. And she's like, okay, everything's in car, let's go have lunch. And I said, but mom, the awards ceremony are at one o'clock. And she looked at me like, Siri, do you really think that you're going to be winning an award today? <laughs> and I was like, we've got to stay for the awards. So we stayed for the awards. And I remember my mom was just like, what is, what is she thinking? And and we went home that night and I got into bed and you know how when you get in bed at night, it's kind of when we are at our most vulnerable Um, everything slows down, your heart rate slows down, and you start remembering kind of all the little things that you failed to recognize when you were in the heat of the day. And I was lying there and suddenly all the looks on the faces of the people that were watching me and their looks of like pity or like, oh my God, that poor girl, look at her, what an embarrassment or what is she doing? Why is she even trying this? Like these looks of just disdain and and pity. It was just, they all came flashing into my head. And suddenly, you know, my, what I remembered af- right after I crossed the line of this being the most exhilarating experience of my life was suddenly being overshadowed by the reality of the looks on everyone's faces. And so I broke down in tears. I was just absolutely devastated. I felt stupid. I felt like you know, how embarrassing, how could I have done that? And I ran into my mom's room and I, I could barely get words out. I was just crying so hard. And she said, honey, I know, I know. Don't worry. You're so good at so many things. You'll find something else that you'll love. And I said, no, you don't understand. I've never wanted anything this bad in my life. And I don't care how bad I am. I am going to do this and I'm going to be the best in the world. And I I can't even believe I said that because I don't talk that way. I I don't have like a a big, I don't, I at the time had zero confidence. So I said this and that was my, why not now? It was like, these words are coming out of my mouth. And I'm saying that this is what I'm going to do. And whether that meant to me at the time, being the best in the world or just wanting to become proficient at this and wanting to be able to go to a race and not embarrass myself. I mean, I guess that was the the initial goal. But in that moment, I remember thinking that nothing will stop me. I am going to put my heart and soul and my entire life into doing whatever it takes to make this happen. And I'll never forget, you know, the look on her face, it was like this look of God, I love you so much. And that's so adorable. But this is just (laughs) crazy. But you know, she could see the passion and that I was like, so determined. And she said, Okay, honey, I'll give you two years where I'll support you, you know, emotionally, and I'll help you if you need help getting to races. But after two years, if nothing's really looking like it's going to develop into something special, let's get another job. And I promised her that. And from that day forward, I was on an absolute mission to make this happen. And so that's my why not now. And uh, it has a much deeper um, reason to it or a pull. Um, it was something inside uh, that I knew I needed to do for me. And I think that's what made it so powerful.
0: And let's, let's talk about that a little bit. This is... As I'm listening to you and, and thinking through and kind of visualizing you having this moment with your mother and you're getting ready to go to sleep and you kind of declare that you are going to be the best in the world and the fact that that's not even really your personality type to say something like that, but you did say it. In, in knowing that you had this amazing interview with Tony Robbins on his podcast, and he's also been on this one before too, And one of the things he often says and one of the things we've learned about... Why Not Now moments is, if you want to take the island, you burn your boat. And so in that (laughs) moment, Siri, I think you were kind of burning your boat and declaring for the sake of not giving yourself an out, right? It seems like... Yeah. That is so perfect. <laughs>
1: Amy Joe. that is so perfect. And, and I love when he said that, that really caught my attention for that exact reason. And, and so it true. was, it was me making a statement that was so kind of out of control, impossible, but now I said it, now I had to follow through basically.
0: Exactly. But there's some hunger there and, and the, the genesis of you wanting this so badly and, and you touched on the fact that, you know, your childhood and upbringing years probably had something to do with this and knowing a little bit about your story. But where does that hunger stem for? Because you said, you know, it's kind of an internal thing. It wasn't necessarily just for the sake of which you eventually became a two-time world champion and number one ranked triathlete in the world. But at the time, what was it about? I think the struggle
1: that that I was really contending with. It, it was a struggle with myself and I had been, I was so full of fear and so full of anxiety that I had developed this gnarly OCD, um, obsessive compulsive disorder. I was one of those like crazy people. And I say this because you're not crazy because I was this person, but the way I got myself out of it. Um, well, first let me go back. So I, I would do these things that would would help me relieve my anxiety and relieve my fear. And I think it all stemmed from um, my mom is like the most important person in my life or, or was my whole life. She was the most important person in my life. And um, all I cared about was her being safe and her being happy. And she had been in a relationship that was quite destructive and left really um, not in great shape. And at age 16, I, or age 13, actually, I kind of took on the job myself. She didn't ask this of me, but I took on the job of becoming her protector and kind of almost becoming the adult in the relationship, or at least that's how it felt. And again, she didn't ask me to take this on, but I took it on myself. And I knew that anytime I was around her, she was happier. And anytime I could be doing the things that she loved doing. You know, she felt safe and she felt comforted. So that became my mission in life. And I was able to do well in school and get into a good university and all of that. But it was, I put a tremendous amount of pressure on myself as a 13-year-old that her life uh, and her happiness was all up to me. And if I gave in in any way, or if I wasn't there, or if I wasn't the best daughter I could be, that something terrible could happen. And this created intense anxiety and and way too much pressure than I could handle. So I came up with these behaviors that were just, you know, basically I just, you know, say these things over and over in my head about, yeah, it's embarrassing to even talk about. I mean, it's hard to go there now, but like, please God, let this be okay. Please God, let her be okay. And I just over and over and over again. And I, you know, tap things. And I was on one of those light switch, you know, flickers where you flick the light until that thought is gone. And at one point I just, I thought to myself, and I, and I really remember thinking this at at that young age, it was about uh, 16. I remember thinking, God, you know, when it's time for me to go off to college, first of all, i I didn't want to go because I didn't want to leave my mom. But secondly, I was scared to death to be alone with myself because i I didn't even know who I was on my own. I didn't know who I was outside of being a daughter and my mom's protector in my own eyes and um, those things that that were my life and and my only focus. So, I remember going off to college feeling really afraid that I was left alone with myself. And that's a really horrible feeling. And I tried really hard to find comfort and peace around my friends and around my teammates. And and again, I was able to, nobody knew that I had these issues. And even to this day, my mom says, I had no idea that you, that these things were going on. And um, so I was pretty good at at hiding it. Um, but it reached a point after I graduated from college where I said to myself, Siri, you have to You have to live with yourself every second of every minute of every hour of every day, every week, every month, every year for the rest of your life. You have got to figure out who you are and you've got to at least come to like yourself, at least come to appreciate yourself. Because at this point, all I felt like doing was just running away from myself, but I couldn't go anywhere. And so I finally, as far as the obsessive compulsive, Of stuff came, I I said to myself, I said, Siri, you have all these, because I have this incredible imagination. I had these visions of this amazing life I was going to lead and falling in love and and having all these animals and living on this farm and, you know, all these wonderful things. And I said, I'm never going to have any of these things if I am trapped in this body and doing these crazy things and living in fear. And I said, I feel like an absolute crazy person and this has to stop now. So that's another, <laughs> I guess, you know, um, why not now moment where it was just like, I, I will not do this anymore. This is not who I am. I deserve to have a life. I deserve to give myself a chance. And in that moment, um, I think biggest discovery was that i i realized and and at the time i speaking of the extraordinary tony robbins i had picked up a couple of his books and i had his cassette tapes and they really um helped me on this path because i remember thinking you know i can change my life right now it's making a choice and um the biggest sense i had within myself is i can't continue to live my life from a place of fear And I choose to live my life from a place of love. And I'm going to do things that I love. I'm going to appreciate everything around me, no matter how small. I'm going to appreciate a chirping bird. I'm going to appreciate when a dog looks at me and wags its tail. I'm going to appreciate moments of peace within myself. And most importantly, I'm going to appreciate when I do something that that I could potentially be proud of, I'm going to acknowledge it. And I'm going to let myself feel proud and I'm going to, um, let myself know that, wow, that's, that's good that you just did that. Or that's great that you just got a good grade on your paper. And so that was really the change. The mental shift was realizing that we all are totally in control of our minds and, and the mind, our minds are brilliant. You know, they're there to protect us. They're there to bring us great ideas. Um, But they're also there, you know, they've got that whole fight or flight mechanism that is always trying to protect you. And so it came to a time where I can't listen to my mind anymore because really my mind is just bringing me so much pain and so much angst and so much chaos. So I decided to kind of shut that down and go into my heart and start really learning to love myself by appreciating the small things that I was accomplishing day after day, and especially appreciating the fact that when I said, this crap stops now in my head, this this behavior is not going to get me anywhere. This is going to destroy my life. I'm done with it. Um, and being able to acknowledge that I had the courage um, is probably the most courage I had ever shown up to that point. And that was the courage to stop doing those things right then and there and give myself a chance at life
0: amazing and and when you are making these these decisions like th- this this transformation really and going from feeling a feeling out of control to taking control it seems that this why not now moment when you were 23 and you you decided I'm going to be the best I am going to become a an elite athlete when When you did that, do you think you were kind of converting this this pain into hunger into using sport as as a vehicle for for liking yourself? I mean because what was it about? Swim, bike, and run. (laughs) You know, it was it just spending time alone, or did you feel a certain way when you ran that first one? Because clearly, it became kind of a channel or a a mechanism for you to to transform. It really had probably nothing to do with swimming, biking, and running.
1: (laughs) Oh my! You are so spot on, Amy Jo. I just I can't believe I'm, I'm hearing these things. Yes, because I look back at triathlon now and. It absolutely, it was a vehicle through which I found myself. And that's the best way I can explain it. And it had nothing to do with swim, bike, and run. It's not like I was fascinated with those three sports. But at that time, I was ready to kind of back myself and and say, okay, you know, I've never really pushed myself beyond my comfort zone because I never believed in myself to think that I would be successful you know, I felt like if I do that, I'll just fall. Um, But this time it was kind of like, well, what if I fly? What if, what if I can? And it was taking on a challenge. I think I almost needed to present myself with a challenge that was so massive like that for me, because I didn't, I mean, to not, to learn how to swim at age 23 and to have visions of competing against former Olympic swimmers and to think that I, would be able to beat those people like that. That was a massive ask. Mm -hmm. And I almost needed, it was kind of like a make or break for me. Like, let's choose something that seems totally impossible because Siri, you know what? I think I must've had this faith that I could find a way that I could figure this out and that that would be the one thing that would absolutely free me the rest of my life, free me from this prison that I'd put myself in this prison of not being enough and feeling like I will never be enough and, and feeling helpless. Um, it was a way of saying, I'm sick of this crap and I'm getting out. And if I aim this high, at least I'm going to pull myself out of this rabbit hole I'm in. So, yeah, it was And on that day in that first race, it was, I think the, the, feeling of freedom that I had, I, there was, I wasn't relying on anyone else. I wasn't, I wasn't going to win or lose, um, as part of a team, which is wonderful. My God, I mean, it's amazing to be a part of a team, but it was an opportunity for me to express myself fully in every way and to give my heart and soul and to, uh, during the race, I had no fear of failing or falling short or not being enough, I just was so excited to be brave enough to take on this challenge. And and that freed me. It freed me because I had backed myself enough to step onto that start line and go when the gun went off. And that was really empowering. And, and you know, when you feel empowered, you, you feel very free. And um, it's a freedom that I had never experienced before. And that really kind of stoke the fire. And eventually I just, I got a taste of that feeling and I knew that I needed to, to just keep doing, doing what I was doing because I wanted more of that. And I wanted more of that. And, and what I kind of look back at, um, this is going to sound really, um, kind of cheesy, but, um, for someone that really never loved herself or never appreciated herself, I remember on that night, when I was crying, there must have been something where I I really felt proud of myself for doing it anyway and for deciding that regardless of the looks on all those people's faces and regardless what everyone else thinks I can or can't do, I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm really proud of myself for that because that was coming from a place where I, I didn't have much belief in myself. So it felt so good to back myself for the first time and to have my own support, because it's kind of the support that I had been craving my whole life, which I didn't have. So that was a really it was a really special moment.
0: Oh, absolutely. That was the moment you greenlit you know, the or why not now? and it's it's interesting listening to you, too. and i I started to wonder, I wonder if if the intense focus and kind of laser just focus on what you knew was ahead in order to, in order to accomplish this goal was also attractive because was it a bit of a distraction and getting out of your mind and, and being able to kind of transcend your own thoughts and a diversion. <laughs> um, Excellent. Yes. Oh my yeah. God,
1: Amy Jo again. Like, yes, that's brilliant. And I never <laughs> thought I've actually have never thought of it that way, but absolutely because there had to be an intense plan. Um, I had to move out to Colorado. I got a coach right away. I started training, you know, I had to get a job to, so that I could afford, well, I already had a job, but I had to get a new job in Colorado so that I could afford all the equipment I needed and traveling to races. So yes, it, it put me, that's brilliant. Um, it it gave me something to completely occupy my thoughts. And now I had a goal. I had a vision. I had a step-by-step plan and i was ready to just take this massive action and not not slow down until i got there. so yeah that that's brilliant that's absolutely.
0: Uh, well and and so i have a question for you about this this hunger and given you're a coach and you've you know you've been around the best of the best including yourself for your uh, adult life and so you know this mentality and this hunger that comes along with becoming the best and performing at this level when when you think about the concept of just being hungry for something do you think it's possible to almost train yourself to be become hungry or is that just pure innate or it, it's such a big part of the equation and it's something I look for in people as well what is your what are your thoughts and philosophies around just being hungry to get something done or accomplish a goal. Yeah. And
1: I totally agree. I think that hunger is behind every great achievement because it is that passion. And that hunger is something that no matter how many times you fall, you're going to get up more, more motivated than before and find another way or make a change that's going to get you a step closer. And I don't know that hunger can be trained, But I think everybody has that hunger and how you find it. It's kind of locked away behind something that means so much to you. And sometimes we don't really know what's behind the hunger. Like I can't honestly say that at, 23, I knew that my hunger for wanting to do this was because I wanted to find myself. But I look back now and I absolutely know with all my heart that that is what was behind it. And that's why nothing was going to stop me. So we all have that hunger inside of us, but it's almost like, you know, when you put two um, wires together to get a spark, um, you've got to put the right wires together and you've got to connect that thing that means everything to you. Um, or something that is just so incredibly important to you. And then this goal that's going to connect you to that. And that's when you access that hunger. And that's when you can tap into that hunger. And for me as a coach, I mean, that's something... I look for in in every athlete that I work with or every person that I work with, if they're just doing, you know, life coaching is finding out what is it that drives them at the core? What is it that that either their whole life or right now is something that literally they are thinking about every second of the day? And for me, it was wanting to learn to love and appreciate myself or to find something within myself that I could appreciate. And so that sport became the perfect vehicle for me to be able to experiment and see, like, let's see what I'm made of. Let's let's try something and, and see, you know, what I find out about myself. So that hunger is, is inside of all of us. But in order to connect to it, um, whatever it is you're trying to do, if you're trying to start a business or, um, you know, find that perfect partner, whatever it is that you're trying to achieve, there's got to be that, that deep, deep, powerful, meaningful reason inside of you, the kind of the why behind Mm -hmm. what you're trying to achieve. And, and once you tap into that and you connect those two things, it's, um, the hunger is undeniable and you can see it, you can taste it, you can, you can feel it in people. It's just, it's just such a beautiful thing to witness. And it's just so powerful. I mean, it took someone like me who really had zero ability in this sport and and was the unlikeliest person to be able to achieve anything in, in this sport that I'd chosen. It, that hunger, I believe, uh, is what allowed me to achieve the impossible in the end.
0: I hear from so many people, listeners, and and we just had this amazing scholarship. So we're getting these these applicants sharing their stories and writing in. And it seems to me there's a, a common trend where so many people who are listening want to do something differently. They know that they want to be making a bigger impact, doing something different, pursuing more purpose. Maybe it's a career change. And usually this comes in the form. Of a career change, so they think, but but actually, and just even myself, having gone through this before, I think sometimes maybe we, and to your point in your story reflects this too. It's an inside job, kind of it's first, we might be seeking some sort of next career or shift of how we want to spend our days when really it's a little bit of a Trojan horse because maybe what we really are seeking is something else inside. And um, and so I just, I, I hear your story and it seems like that's a perfect parallel to what I'm witnessing in on an inbound perspective and even myself too. You know, you're seeking, seeking outside when really what you need to to focus on. Do you have any any thoughts of how people might go about finding that spark that that hunger is it trial Let's try different things or would you suggest people start in a certain place um,
1: first of all I, I totally agree I think that to really live a life uh, that is extraordinary it uh, you know in your opinion the person that's living it. the more you know yourself and the more you know what makes you tick and those things that light you up in your world, um, the better able you are to choose activities or jobs or relationships that, you know, align beautifully with that. And then you're fully able to tap into all the, the beauty that is you. And so I think for anybody, I mean, the first thing I would say is, is we always need to know where we are. Like, where am I in this moment? If if I were the person that was looking for a career change, um, where am I in, in my life right now? And what am I happy about? What am I excited about? And what am I not happy about? Like, what's missing? And when I look at what's missing, you know, why, why is that hard on me that that's missing? And what will it take for me to feel um, fulfilled in that area. And as you kind of, and I'm not saying analyze the hell out of your life, and but it actually is an inside job. And if you really want to make the right decisions in your life where you're not wasting time and doing things that you shouldn't really be doing, or or you could be using that time doing something that you really love, then it's worth taking that time and really going inside and thinking what am i all about what what is my life about what do i want to create in this lifetime and what would light up my soul and and at the on my dying day whenever that may be what would leave me feeling like wow that was an incredible gift that life was a gift and i lived it with all my heart and i have no regrets so going inside and really, and, and it's kind of what happened with me when we go back to my story is I had gone inside and thought, I feel empty in here. I feel scared. I feel afraid. I don't know who I am. Um, and I don't like this feeling because I have these dreams and I have these visions in my head, in my imagination that just make me so happy, but I don't want that just to be in my imagination. I want that to be my life. And I knew I needed to own that but, in order to have that one day, I had to find out who I was. And I also realized, um, i don't I don't know how I realized some of these things, but I also I thought, I will never be able to love someone else or have that, you know, fairy tale love that I've dreamt of since I was five years old, unless I can love myself first. You can't possibly love someone in all the right ways if you don't love yourself first. So, I don't know if that answered your question, but it, it's definitely an inside job first. If you want to really step into that life that that is going to light you up and and bring you the fulfillment that you dream of having, and we all deserve that. Um, sometimes we all just kind of get in our own way and and we need to step out of the way by inviting ourselves inside and saying, okay, what's up? What do we want? What's missing? What do I need to do? Who do I need to be to get to where I want to be?
0: Amazing. Yes, that does help a lot. I think that gives us more guidance on kind of how to locate that, that hunger. And I'm sure just getting the taste, you'll, you'll know, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Uh, and how do you keep your mind healthy, Siri? And, and just knowing how much... The, the strength of the mind, um, plays a role in not only athletics, but just in life, you've operated at the kind of most optimal and, and elite, um, peaks. How, how do you keep your mind healthy?
1: Um, I think it was so unhealthy for my whole kind of childhood that I feel so free and so grateful. And I, I feel as though I live every moment just so grateful for um, the peace I feel inside and, you know, the gift of, of life, the gift of being able to do the things that I love and and be surrounded by love. And there's always something to be grateful for. And um, like I said, back then I I decided I will no longer live my life from a place of fear. I am now going to live my life from a place of love. And that, you know, means not only loving and giving um, outside of yourself and loving yourself, but it also means um, appreciating all the little things. And and so I keep my mind healthy by living in a, a place of gratitude all the time, appreciating um, the good in in every little thing. I don't want to sound like a Pollyanna, but um, it it really is kind of how I operate. And and taking good care of of my body and staying healthy. And for me, it's uh when I decided to live authentically, and this is a whole a whole nother story, um, which I won't share because I don't want to take up everybody's time. But at my, another why not now moment is when I decided to fully embrace who I am and and that's um that I was gay and I was gonna no longer live in the closet. I I'd met the love of my life, and and was experiencing a love that I thought was only a thing of fairy tales, and in that moment, um, I just decided from now on, I'm I'm just going to be me, and and I don't care what people think, I don't care what I lose, I don't care who I lose. Um, I owe it to myself to to celebrate who I am and live life to the fullest, just authentically me, and the amazing thing is that not only have I felt younger and healthier and just so at peace in my mind, because I'm no longer having to pretend to be something other than who I am. I'm no longer having to put on different masks for different people. And I'm I'm seeing the world now with no mask and, and no um, barriers. And when you come from that place, and that's another thing that I think to keep your mind healthy is the more that you can live authentically and and be all that who you are and don't feel ashamed about any part of you you know don't deny or reject any part of you um, and live from that that very free and and honest space. Um, I feel that in itself really keeps your mind healthy and keeps your mind at peace which I value very highly. That's very important to me. So I hope that helps some people. Um, It's not easy to get to that place. I realize that it's, you can't just say, okay, I'm going to be completely authentic now. You know, it's a process. But um, if there are people out there that are in a space where they're struggling with having to hide certain aspects of who they are, or they can't be themselves around their family or their coworkers or, or anybody for that matter, it's my encouraging you to try to reach a space where you can be more of you and, and have the ultimate goal being able to live in all of your beautiful essence. Um, because what you'll find is that magic happens from that space. And some of the most amazing things in my life have happened since I have decided to just be me. And so I'm so incredibly Grateful uh, for having made that decision and and having found the courage to decide that that was how it was going to be uh, from that point forward.
0: One of my favorite concepts is around just keeping a healthy mind. Is don't let anything rent space in your head for free, and <laughs> yeah. and if if you are having you know to hide a lot of things, then that's like clutter and or litter, and it's. Truly cleaning house when you're living authentically, so it's um, it's valuable real estate right up there. So it makes a ton of sense to um, to align. Just find, and, and that's a that's a tough <laughs> challenge for everyone to to truly live authentically. It's not just something you do, but at the same time, it's it's a great way to maintain a healthy mind. I mean, that's kind of the the ultimate. Changing gears for just a moment here, are there any things or is there one thing just that comes to mind when you think about why not now for the future? So anything you've been asking yourself or thinking about doing that now you're ready to really focus in and kind of green light an idea? Yes.
1: Um, I, my whole life have just had this deep love for animals. And it's funny because I I felt very lonely as, as a child. We were, um, there were a lot of times when we were kind of left alone and I always had my dogs and they were rescue dogs. And I just, the love of a dog for me was just something that I could count on no matter what. It was that unconditional love. And no matter whether I was crying or laughing or smiling or angry, this any dog, whichever dog I had, would just love me like I was just the greatest thing in the world and that was an incredible feeling for someone that um wasn't really feeling enough uh in in the, in the rest of her life. So these animals kind of saved my life in a way. And, um, so my whole life I've, I've rescued animals and, and dogs, and they've just brought me so much joy. And I've learned so many valuable things from, from just observing them and, and how they love. And last year I rescued, um, two horses and they've been amazing. So my wife, Rebecca and I are, she has had the same passion for animals and the same kind of story of having found comfort and love from animals her whole life. And we are, we just actually formed a, it's called the Believe Ranch and Rescue, and it's a foundation where we rescue dogs off of death row, um, basically from shelters where some shelters are so full that a dog comes in and if they're not adopted within two days, they get put Mm. down. And it's devastating because my animals, you know, I saved all of mine kind of in their last hours and they are just the most beautiful and amazing souls. And I I can't imagine my life without them. So we're going to save dogs from euthanasia and we're going to save horses from auctions and feedlots and bring them in and, Give them the medical care and and training that they need, so that we can ultimately have them and, and give them so much love, of course, which I think is so healing for humans and animals, and give them the training necessary to connect them with a human, and um, hopefully provide that human with a little bit of rescuing themselves. And so we're really excited that we've just formed this, and uh, we've got an incredible group behind it. So that's something that this year and actually just a couple months ago we said it's time we're doing this now. Um and that in itself when you take on something um a foundation, um obviously you have to put a lot of money behind something like that. So that, that's been an incredible kind of incentive for me to really want to up my game with my work um so that I can be able to put everything I have towards you know, getting this off the ground. Um, so thank you for asking because we're so passionate about this and we're so excited. And I can't wait maybe three to five years to be able to tell you that we've saved a ton of animals and that they are happily um, best friends with humans all around the country.
0: Oh, I love this. I love it so much. <laughs> big, big animal lover on the end. And and that is, that's amazing. And I love that that you're focused on the two way relationship, you know, it goes both directions, and I can't agree more that the animals save humans just as much as we save them, and that's amazing. That's super cool. I look forward to following that, and uh, very good. You. Why not now, moment? I'm glad that that one is is off and running. A few rapid fire questions here to wrap us up. What are you reading right now? And your all time favorite book? <laughs>
1: Okay. So right now I'm reading Covered in Pet Fur and it's How to Start an Animal Rescue the Right Way. So of course (laughs) I'm reading that right right now. Oh my God, my favorite all-time book ever. Um, There's one, this is going to be a bit odd, but it was Khalil Gibran, um, The Prophet. I just loved it. I read it at a time when it really just, I don't know, it got my attention and hit me hard in the heart
0: in a good way. Very cool. Very cool. And what keeps you up at night?
1: excitement for just life and, and work and, and animals and coming on this podcast last (laughs) night, I couldn't sleep. I was so excited to have the opportunity to chat with you, but just, you know, that, um, I feel like I spent a lot of my life, not really living. So I wake up just like really excited to see what I can make happen each day. And I'm hoping to just continue the work that I do already and hopefully be able to touch as many lives as possible in the most positive and, and loving ways. And, um, so yeah, that's what keeps me up at night, just thoughts and dreams and, uh, and all those ideas that go through your head when you're trying to make life as amazing as you can.
0: The next question is super critical. And if you've listened to the podcast before, you probably know what's coming. But pirates or ninjas? Who's tougher? Ninjas. Ninjas.
1: Ninjas, (laughs) No doubt. Absolutely. And I used to love... Do you know that song... My Inner Ninja. I won't sing it because everybody will hang up, but uh, My Inner Ninja or Inner Ninja. It's this amazing song.
0: But Ninjas, for
1: sure. Yeah. You got to listen to it. You (laughs) should play it when you ask that question. It would be really amazing.
0: I will. In fact, I'm looking to, I'm going to put together a montage of all the guests' answers and have them kind of just just rapid fire, you know, who and what and the rationale. I think it'll be really interesting. So maybe we'll use that music up and under when we do that. <laughs> awesome. I love it. And, um, if you were to give yourself some advice when you were younger, if if you could go back and, and do this, what advice would you give to your younger self? And you can choose which age you would give that advice. Okay.
1: Um, God, there's a lot of advice. I think about uh, Tony Robbins says it best when he says life happens for you, not to you. And that is something that as a youngster, even as young as four years old, when there were a couple traumatic things that happened that really uh, shook my thoughts about who I was and and, you know. The whole thing about not feeling like I'm enough, I'll never be enough. I wish at that age, I could have come in and said, what's happening right now is actually everything that is going to make you who you're going to be 20, 30 years from now. And it is going to give you so much strength and so much hunger and allow you to love so deeply. So just get through it with, with grace. Don't Don't freak out um, don't panic, um, and just don't be afraid. Something wonderful is going to come out of this. And it did. And I'm so grateful for that. And I think that for everybody, anybody who's going through struggle, when you realize that through every even horrible struggle, there's always some kind of a beautiful gift and you won't see it while you're in the struggle, but it might help you knowing that there is a gift that will come out of this, it might help you to deal with the struggle more gracefully and with less pain. Um, So I use that in my life. When you go through tough times, you just realize I'm going to learn through this. I'm going to grow from this. I am going to become a better me through this. And it just kind of helps lessen the blow a little bit. So
0: I hope that helps. So true. Such good, good advice. And I couldn't agree more. Really. It's, it's wonderful (laughs) words. And, and just to hear you say, you know, that your, your operating system has shifted and you're living out of a place of love versus fear. And, and you've been able to shift that mindset is, is huge. Uh, And I think that that's going to be a key takeaway. It definitely is for me. And I can't thank you enough, Sari, for your time and sharing your stories as well as you know, going deep and back into your childhood and, and really shedding some light on how and why you got to where you are. And, and it's helpful for other people, including myself. So thank you. Uh, Thank
1: you so much, Amy Jo. It it truly is such a privilege uh, that you wanted to have me on your podcast. It's such, it's an honor. And so thank you so much. It was just uh, fantastic. I really appreciate it.
0: One of my favorite takeaways from that conversation with Siri was the topic of hunger and how hunger is behind every great achievement. And one of, one of my big areas of curiosity is, well, can we train <laughs> to have hunger? And it's more about unleashing and finding that hunger than than truly training. And that's a discovery process for sure. But it's, it's something to strive for um, because I think, as Siri mentioned, we all have it. It's just a matter of finding it, finding that drive within us. And so much becomes clear, I think, once we find that drive. So quick update on my week of no social media. So the cleanse, here's how it went. I'll give you a couple of tidbits, and if you want the full scoop go to amyjomartin.com forward slash social media cleanse, where I share a video explaining more of this in detail. But the net-net was, it was a good experience, (laughs) very positive experience. Right away, when I kind of hit go on this detox, I have to be honest, I felt a little bit of a physiological response. My hands got a little sweaty And I knew that this was going to be an interesting process. And um, just the fact that there was a physiological response spoke volumes to me. The first time in 10 years I've ever gone without having any access to the social media networks. I know it sounds a little vain and odd and maybe silly, but I guess it's been a big part of my world. And it's really a big part of all of our worlds. It ended up being something that, I quickly got used to after I deleted the apps from my phone, I, I must say, because without even thinking, I went to my email. My intention was to go to my email on my phone. And subconsciously, I went straight to Instagram and then realized quickly, this was within the first 15 minutes of this detox that I have to delete those apps because I have this just with without even thinking kind of method and process of... Going straight to scroll through Instagram. The amount of time I saved from scrolling down that rabbit hole is probably pretty incredible. The other two quick takeaways one, I experienced this really amazing hike over the weekend and something that is probably a a once-in-a-lifetime thing, and I caught myself taking very few photos. I really took this in because I knew I couldn't post them on social, (laughs) but I I took this in through my own eyes, and it changed my lens and kind of enjoying this process. It makes sense, but to actually do it is another thing, and that experience was pretty eye-opening. Literally. And I wasn't on my phone just thinking about, oh, I want to share this visual or these images with everyone. I was really thinking about just enjoying and filing this memory and experience in my own mind. The other big thing was the one time I really wished I had access to social media. It was actually a bit of an emergency, Um, My dog, Ruby Sue, who I've talked about a lot on the show and is often shared on social media with her own hashtag, she was lost. She took off during a storm, got scared, and I live kind of in the middle of the forest as it is, and she was lost for a little over an hour at night while it's storming. And my mom, as I'm discussing with her what to do, gave her a call, she talked about this Facebook page. Where you can go in this local kind of local Facebook page for lost animals. And that was, of course, I would have hopped on to Facebook and discarded my detox if I needed to in order to find Ruby. But we ended up finding her before that was necessary. But I thought about how useful social can really be in times of an emergency. And it's something I speak a lot about on a grand scheme and a grand scale for national and international tragedies and situations. But even personally, like finding a lost pet, it's kind of amazing. So I get into this more on my website and in the video, com forward slash social media cleanse. But the net net is I highly recommend. The biggest thing I hope to have uh, learned from this experience was how to really embrace different habits about when I go to social and how and what it's used for. So my time and my habits and new set of ground rules will yet to be seen as I implement this next phase, but uh, it's a journey. So that's, that's where I ended up. I want to hear what your why not now is. Please share it with me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Amy Joe Martin. I'll send a signed copy of my New York Times bestselling book, Renegades Write the Rules, to the first 200 people who listen, rate, and leave an honest review of the podcast in iTunes. And you'll also get a free month subscription from our friends at Headspace. This is only available to Why Not Now listeners. Once you've left a rating and review on iTunes, just email your iTunes handle name and your mailing address to whynotnow at amyjomartin.com, and we'll get your package in the mail to you. For detailed show notes, head to amyjomartin.com forward slash whynotnow. That's where you'll find links to things we discussed on the show, special offers, and how you can keep in touch with guests. Hat tip to my buddies Ash and Devin at Rock Salt Music for our tunes today. You just listened to the talented John Coggins in Let's Go and Let It Ride. And a jump high five to my talented husband, Richard Gruer, for producing the show and being patient with me. See you next time. Until then, why not now?